Thank you for checking out our podcast here at Eastern Assembly of God Church in Baltimore, Maryland. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at www.easternassembly.org. We are on a series. Now listen, uh, in order for me to hear your amen, you're going to have to be just a little louder this morning. Amen. There, I like that. Somebody in the back. Brian, go ahead. Let me see if I can hear yours back there. Where you at, Brian State? Go ahead. I hear you back there. All right, we're good. All right, so we are on a series called Values for Life. And values, listen, are the things that you really hold in your heart by which you live out of. Now, you can tell me you believe something, but how you live will determine whether you really value that belief to the point that it affects how you live. How many know I could poll you on what you believe? I said, do you believe that Jesus is the Lord? Oh, yes, pastor. Do you believe that you should live a godly? Oh, yes, pastor. But how you actually live when I'm not around demonstrates what you really value in your heart. Everybody with me? Come on, give me an amen. Amen, amen. Now, if you haven't figured this out yet, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he wants to have influence over your values. You know why? Say why. Because he's the Lord. Amen. And he's the only person who has perfectly right value. Amen. Amen. Now, what do you call somebody who publicly proclaims that they have a belief system as a follower of Jesus, but they live totally contrary to what they say they believe? Okay, I'm hearing the word hypocrite. Okay, that is a good answer. But now listen, in some ways, we are all hypocrites because none of us totally live out what we believe. Is that true? So, so what's the difference between a genuine follower who's a hypocrite to a degree and a real hypocrite? Here's the difference in my estimation. A true follower of Jesus will, will be broken and upset and... and Repentant when they realize that they're not demonstrating godly character. You understand? There, there's something there that's, man, I, I feel bad. I, I want to represent Jesus well, and I didn't represent Jesus well. Lord, would you forgive me? Would you help me? Right? A hypocrite, and there, there's still some chairs. Those guys in the bed, if anybody needs chairs, there's still some against this tree right here. I see a couple, and up here, if anybody needs chairs. A hypocrite knows that they're not living what they say they believe and really don't care as long as they don't get caught. All right, I'm going to try that again. I didn't hear All right, listen. We're all hypocrites to a degree because none of us live with totally godly character and values every moment of every day. But somebody who is sincere, when they mess up, they feel bad because they... It, it, they want to they live like Jesus. They want others to see Jesus in them, right? But a hypocrite knows that their lifestyle isn't matching what they say they believe, but they really don't care. They're okay with you thinking they're a Christian. Are you with me? Listen, recently Jerry Jr. Had, was asked to step down as president of Liberty University 
some things were discovered about his life that were in stark contradiction to godly character. Now listen, he has taken Liberty University to be one of the largest universities in the world. Their online campus is unbelievable. He's done a tremendous job building an empire, but what good is it if you build an empire, but your value system and the life you're living don't match your Christian proclamation? Come on, somebody. And I'm praying for Jerry Falwell Jr. that this time God will help him to understand what's most important. It's not building an empire. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, what do you call, and this is our value for the day, what do you call the character trait of someone who truly lives out what he or she We call that person a person of integrity. Come on, somebody. Integrity is our value for the day. The Bible has a lot to say about integrity. How about Proverbs 10.9? It says, the man of integrity walks securely. Say securely. But he who takes crooked paths will be found out. How many know if you're a person of integrity, you don't have anything to hide? When your wife says to you, can I use your cell phone, honey? You don't say, well, wait a minute. And think to yourself, I got a few texts I need to get rid of. Oh, I need to use the restroom, honey. I'll be back in a moment. Come on, somebody. That's lack of integrity. Now, it's interesting that all of us value integrity in others. Let me explain. If you go to buy a new car and you say to the salesman, man, I need to know the total price. Give it to me. What's this thing going to cost me? And he says, man, car price is $27,000. And you go into the finance office. How many of you don't enjoy the finance office at a car dealership? You know why? You're going to be there about five hours, right? So you work through all of that. And he hands the paper for you to sign. And on the, the bottom end of the paper, it's $31,270. And you say, wait a minute. The salesman told me, oh, yeah, but, you know, there's destination fee and this fee and that. And at that moment, listen, you value integrity because you're mad at the salesman because he didn't demonstrate it. How many of you have ever had a construction project at your house where you paid good money to get something done only to find out the person who repaired it wasn't a person of integrity and there was a lot wrong when he was done? So we all value integrity in other people. But the question for today is, do you value integrity in your own life? Are you a person of integrity? Amen. Well, it got real quiet. That was a good spot for an amen. All right, I'm going to try it again. Amen. I know the breeze is blowing. Some of you are having a hard time staying awake. Just, just nudge your neighbor if he comes to you, all right? We all value integrity in others because none of us want to be lied to. Amen. Amen. But do you truly value it in yourselves? Proverbs 11.3 says, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. What does duplicity mean? Duplicity means they pretend to be one thing, or they say they believe one thing, but they live a double life. That's duplicity. I don't know if some of you saw in the papers this week, three men in Maryland who claimed to be ministers were arrested in a Ponzi scheme, and they had people out of 28 million dollars they would go into a church and say hey, you know, 
We want to help you. We want to take your money. We want to build it so you can give more to the kingdom. They handed out a lot of money as if they were very rich. They were rich with other people's money. And they were living the high life on other people's money. Uh, but they were not doing with it what they said they were. And their duplicity, listen, their duplicity is going to land them in jail probably for a long time. How many of you value a person who's real? Right? If you value a person who's real, then you value integrity. That's what integrity is. It's a person who's real, who is what they appear to be. Many years ago in Bible school, I think the year was 1981, it was during the midst of a recession. And I was paying my own way through, through college, through Bible school, so it was really important that I get a job when I got home. And my dad helped me get the dream job. I got a job mowing grass at Harley-Davidson Motor Company. And it wasn't the mowing grass that was the fun. It was seeing all the motorcycles all over the place, right? Um, but because of the recession, I actually got laid off a couple weeks into things. So I'm partway through the summer. I got to get a job. I was desperate. It was a recession. I saw this ad in the newspaper. Earn a lot of money. I'm like, well, that's what I need. So I went to this little demonstration. And it was to be a salesman selling knives and pots and pans. Oh, yes. Your pastor was once a knife and pots and pan salesman. All right. For a short time. Now, the guy who trained us was making a making a killing off of selling pots and pans. How do you know some people can sell anything, right? So he told us how to do it. And at the very end of the presentation, the close, he told us, he gave us a brochure. He said, you take out this brochure and you say to them, the company is offering a competition right now that whoever you know sells the most gets this vacation. And the problem was there was no vacation. It was a sales scheme to play on people's emotions because how many know paying six for some knives, you better stir somebody's emotion, right? And I, I was a believer. I was in Bible school. And I said to myself, I can't present something that's not true. Say integrity. integrity. Come on. How many know some people are willing to give up their integrity if it'll earn more money? And it's harder when the pressure's on, right? Well, I didn't do it. And guess what? I didn't sell many knives and pots and pans either. But I believe God honored my integrity because God gave me another job that lasted me for a lot of summers to come. Come on, somebody. How many know it's worth upholding your integrity? Yes, it is. Here's the thing with integrity, as I said a few moments ago. We tend to hate it in others, but not always hate it in ourselves. It's quiet in here. Come on. Quiet out here. It goes back to the mirrors and microscopes and Pastor Chris talked about, oh, we get a microscope out for other people's lack of integrity. But do we look in the mirror for our own lack of integrity? Now, now listen to me, church. Listen, this is important. There's only one person who ever walked this earth with perfect integrity. Somebody say his name. Jesus. Jesus. Listen, I'm going to fail you if I just give you a nice talk on having better integrity and you say I'm going to pull up my pants and do better you know why because that doesn't work the only way you can have godly integrity is to hold on to the God 
who has true integrity. Because this human nature always wants the easy way out. And this human nature will always sell out if you let it. Come on, somebody. I'm trying to help you this morning. If you want to have Jesus' integrity, you need to learn to cry out to him every day for help and recognize your own human tendency to give it in, sell it out. Are you listening this morning? Oh, we need him. When I was in high school, prior to my salvation, I had a job at Pantry Pride. Anybody ever shop at Pantry Pride? All right, they're, they're long gone. But at Pantry Pride, so I was a cashier, I cleaned floors, did a bunch of stuff. But on break time, I would go back to the stockpile and look for some cookies that another employee had opened. Now, now think of how crazy this is. I knew it was wrong to open the cookies, so I wouldn't do that. But I justified myself. Well, if they already open them, tell them. So I'll just enjoy someone else's lack of integrity. The problem was, I also was demonstrating a lack of integrity because I was eating stolen cookies. I say that to say, that is our human nature. We will look at someone else and say, man, they've got horrible integrity, yet excuse our own lack of integrity. Just because ours might not be as bad as them. Come on, so having integrity better than someone else's is not the goal. Having integrity that looks like Jesus is the goal. Proverbs 13, 6 says, Righteousness guards the man of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. Righteousness guards the man of integrity. I'm so glad when I received Jesus as my Savior at 18 years of age, He, he forgave me for eating stolen cookies. Come on, somebody. How many of you have been forgiven of some things? And how many of you know God didn't forgive you of your rotten character or your compromise so that you could go back to that? That again, he's got something better in store. Come on, somebody. And all this world needs to see some people that live out what they say they believe. This world needs some people that when they look at your life, they don't say there's another hypocrite. Somebody that says they go to church and yet they lie and they cheat and they curse and they got eyes on someone else's wife. Come on, somebody. Will we be with is our value as believers? I want to be a man of God, a woman of God and be a person of integrity. Lord, help it to be righteousness guards the heart of integrity. You know one of the most hypocritical stories in the Bible? Somebody say, where is it? Where is it? Genesis 38. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to tell you the story. And sadly, Judah in the story was the big hypocrite. And Judah was a tribal leader. How many know Jesus came from the tribe of Judah? Jesus is the line of the tribe of Judah. So, I mean, this line was supposed to be a godly line. Let me tell you the story. Judah had a son who married a girl by the name of Tamar. And his son died. And in Old Testament times, you were, if you were a brother to, if, if your brother died, you were responsible to take his bride so that she could have children. So Judah's son's brother took Tamar, and he also died. So now there's Tamar. She doesn't have any children. And Judah says to her, when my younger son gets older, I will give him to you so you can bear children. Now, I'm not so sure how sincere Judah was. It's kind of like, 
you know, you're, you show interest in somebody, you're a little older in life and you're starting to like somebody and they say, tell me about yourself. They said, well, I've had five wives and they've all died. Would you like to marry me? And you say to yourself, well, I like you, but I don't know if I would fix on the list. Come on, somebody. So Judah was a little hesitant. And when the time when his younger son grew up, he never gave him to Tamar, even though he promised. So here's what Tamar did. Tamar disguised herself as a prostitute and sat along the road that she knew her father-in-law would travel. And sadly, Judah bought into it, laid with his own daughter-in-law. She got pregnant. And when Judah found out, she, he, he never recognized her. When Judah found out that Tamar was pregnant, let me, let me read you the verse. Genesis 38, 24. About three months later, Judah was told, your daughter-in-law Tamar is guilty of prostitution. And as a result, she is now pregnant. Judah said, bring her out and have her burned to death. Should I just grab a, uh, are we all right? I'm sorry for the intermittent. Are we doing all right? It's not, not too bad. Just losing a little single. Are we all right? All right, good. All right, choke up. How you ever played baseball and they said choke up? Choke up. Get that bat around. All right, so interesting. Think about this. Judah sleeps with a prostitute, and now when he finds out his daughter-in-law has been a prostitute, what's he? He excuses his himself, but what's he say to do to her? You say, well, what happened to Tamar? Well, she was smart enough when she laid with her father-in-law. She didn't accept payments. She said, simply give me your staff and your, and your signet. In other words, your, your ring by which you stamp things. So when Judah said, bring the prostitute out. Well, she came out. And she said, this is the man that I slept with. And she produced his staff and signet room. And Judah said, say, uh-oh. Yeah, I've been found out. It, it is a, how can human nature justify yourself for lack of character and be willing to put some else, someone else to death for the very same thing? Come on. Oh, God, help us. Yeah, Come God. on. One of the things that has to happen for someone to have godly character is to truly realize how far south we can go in a hurry without the help of the Lord in this thing. How many are grateful for the Holy Spirit who helps us, brings us conviction, and goes to woo us back online when we begin to demonstrate bad character? You say, well, how do you really know the character of someone? Well, I got one answer to that. Ask their spouse. Oh, it got real quiet in there. You want to know the true character of somebody? Ask their spouse. Their spouse knows if they're honest all the time, how they really live. I'll get off of that one. It's too quiet. I'll go to another one. How about this one? It's how they act when they're under pressure. See, if you really value something, it doesn't change even though hard times come. You'll, you'll hold on to what you value. Listen, pressure comes. Think of Joseph. Joseph sold by his brothers into Egypt. He's away from his family. He's a young man. He's a slave in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife begins to pester Joseph. Lay with me. Lay with me. Day after day, she pesters him. He was a good-looking young man. Joseph, unlike Judah, 
Here's, here was Joseph's reply in Genesis 39. He said, my master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Think about this. In Genesis 38, you have Judah being a man of horrible character. Genesis 39, here's Joseph, a young man in Egypt with young man's needs saying, no, I will not sin against God and I will not sin against my master. How many of you know God has given you the ability to say yes and the ability to say no? Amen. Amen. So the question is, who are you really living for? If it's all about you, then you demonstrate the character that works best for you. But if you're living for God, it changes everything. Now, let me give you three things that you absolutely have to do if you want to have godly integrity. Everybody put up finger number one. Number one, you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You have to. You cannot have true godly character without knowing the Christ, the only person who ever walked this earth that has true godly character. Think about how that worked in Paul's life. What was Paul doing prior to his conversion? Somebody say killing Christians. And he thought he was a man of good character. He justified himself. All these Christians, they're not Jews and, and they're threatening our Jewish culture and, and God, God loves me for doing this. And the problem is without the eyes of God, we, we can't see ourselves as we really should. Is that true? So, so Paul gets saved. He gets radically saved. And how did it change Paul's character? Say it changed everything. Yeah, now he's preaching Jesus, living for Jesus. And when other, person are, when other people are persecuting him, it doesn't matter. He's staying true. So number one, you have to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me, let me say to all of you today, most of you I know, not all of you. If I were to come up to you right now, just walk up to where you're sitting. Look you in the eye and say, ma'am, sir, teenager, do you know that you know that you know that you're right with God? Well, how do you know that you know that you know? Here's the thing, friend, and I can tell you from my experience and many others that are sitting in this lawn today. When you open up your heart and make a surrender to Jesus Christ and he comes in. Even if you don't feel anything at that moment, in days ahead, you're going to know that there's someone living in you that wasn't living there before. And when he comes in, not only does he forgive your sin, not only does he come inside of you, but he gives you a witness inside that your heart has meshed with his heart and you are now right with God. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that his spirit bears witness with our spirit. That we are sons of God. How many know today would be a great day? On this lawn. Or somebody watching via Facebook today. Today would be a great day to make a surrender to Jesus Christ. Amen. You say, well, Pastor, I, I do the best I can. I, I think I'm a person of pretty good character. We don't get to heaven by our good character. We get to heaven because we've been forgiven and washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Should godly character follow? A Christian? Absolutely. Because he's working in us to make us more like himself. But don't be mistaken by thinking that your godly character or your good character in and of itself will do it. It will not. Can you say amen? amen. Secondly, three things you have to do if you want to have godly character. Number two is you have to look in the Bible to even know what godly character is. 
you know what godly character looks like unless you have a guide? Come on, somebody. God's giving you a guide. In this book, you will read of some men and women that had horrendous character. The Bible doesn't hide that. And in this book, you will read of some men and some verses that point you to very godly character. Are you listening? If you are relying on Pastor Ed's Sunday morning service for character building alone, that would be like eating one meal a week and expecting you to be nourished. Not going to happen. Come on, somebody. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to get into the Word of God. Psalm 119 says this. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. Amen? Amen. Amen. And then number three. You need to be around people who will hold you accountable for your integrity. Who, who is in your life that knows you well enough and cares about you enough that would say, what are you doing? What are you doing? It's not what you tell me you believe. You said you're a Christian. You love Jesus. What are you doing? Why do we need people like that around us? Because we have a tendency to go astray. Are you listening? Come on. Amen. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 says this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. That's not just talking about a physical fall. Talking about spiritual fall. But pity the man who falls and no one has no one to help him up. It's why we encourage you to get in an e-group. To get around some people that can get to know you well enough. To rejoice with you when you need to be rejoiced with. And to challenge you when you need to be challenged. Come on somebody. We all need that. Are you listening? All right, let, let, me, let me wind this down for a landing. Now, the Bible says that ultimately we're going to be judged by our fruit, not by what we say we believe. What, what, what does that mean? Well, our, our fruit is how we really live our lives. Because how we really live our lives demonstrates the things we really value. And out of that value system comes the beliefs that we really believe. You understand that? And I want to ask you today, listen, do you value integrity? Three, let me try that again. Do you value integrity? Would you, would you rather suffer loss and maintain your integrity than give up your integrity for your own comfort? Isn't that the world we live in today? Whatever feels good, whatever's good for me, whatever benefits me, you, you can't be a person of character or integrity and believe like that. You have to hold fast. Listen, even when no one is watching, pressure will reveal your character. And so will when no one is around. And you're making decisions that no one but you knows about. Then you'll know how deep your integrity goes. Are you listening this morning? Amen. Would you bow your heads with me in this place this morning, please? I want to ask you all over this field. What a beautiful sight just to see you out there worshiping, listening. This beautiful day.
But I'm wondering if there's somebody here that if I were to walk up to you and say, do you know that you know that you know that you're right with God? How are you going to answer that? There's two people that know the real answer to that. You and God both know the true answer to that. But what are you going to do about it? You say, well, pastor, I'm working on it. No, you, you don't work on it to get right with God. Something is a gift to be received. If you want to be right with God, you receive what he has done for you. Because he has paid a price and shed his blood so that you could be forgiven. So that he could move in and do a mighty work inside of you. If you were really honest about the life that you lived, you haven't lived a perfect life. Haven't always been a person of perfect integrity. That's why you need Jesus. That's why I need Jesus. I need his forgiveness. I need his help. And I'm looking for somebody here today that says, Pastor, you're talking to me. And this day, I'm going to open the door of my heart. And either, listen, either you're receiving Jesus for the first time. Or, or you, you, you've fallen away and you're just sensing the tug to return to him with all your heart. If that's you this morning, looking over this way, every head bowed, every head closed, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. But in raising your hand, you're saying, God, God's watching down this field today. You're saying, Pastor, today, today I'm going to open the door of my heart. I'm going to receive Jesus as my Savior. Today I'm going to make things right. Come on, where are you? Where are you today? Watching online, same thing. Today going to open the door of my heart today I'm going to ask Jesus to forgive me God help us today would you stand all over this field today please and if it's in your heart today I'm, I'm going to say a prayer over you if it's in your heart to truly live out what you say you believe to be a person of would you raise a hand or two just as a sign come on just as a sign to God that you sincerely want to live in a way that others will see the life of Jesus being lived through you. When I see those hands all over this place. I'm going to say it again. You can't do it without Him. You can't do it on your own. That's why every day we've got to be crying out to Him. Every day we have to be imploring our help. Because that's how quickly this flesh will go astray. Lord, I pray for the people of God with upraised hands in this beautiful field today who are saying, I'm not just interested in saying I believe in Jesus. I want to live it out. I want people to see that my value system lines up with the Word of God and with the God that I serve. I don't want to pretend to be something that I'm not. And Lord, when that happens, when I find myself, God, uh, in other seed in my life, may I be quick to get on my knees and cry out and say, Jesus, forgive me and empower me to live a life of integrity. Help me when under pressure to make godly choices. Help me when no one else is watching, but I know that you are, Lord, to demonstrate integrity. Because this world desperately needs some Christians with a heart Amen. to genuinely live for you. Amen. So empower us, God. And even this week, God, I pray as we...
go about our week and some circumstances come across our path where it might be easier just to take the shortcut and make a decision that would not be a real decision of character. Help us in that moment, Lord, to do the right thing. And Lord, I bless the people of Eastern Assembly. Amen. In their family, in their neighborhood, among their workplace. Let them demonstrate the values that let people see Jesus at work. That you'd be glorified through it, Lord. And I thank you for it, Lord. I thank you for it. And Lord, I just commission the people of Eastern Assembly to go out and live godly lives of integrity. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Come on, somebody say amen.